All right, we're again in the gospel according to Mark, chapter number 9. And we will uh, read again our passage, verses 30 through 32. But let's go again to the Lord in prayer just before we read. Our Father, in Jesus' name, I stand in desperate need of your anointing and enabling. Your word is mighty in itself. But I pray that you would just put that, that power of your blessing upon it this morning. Pray that you would put that resurrection power in it, that life-giving power that brought Jesus out of the grave. I pray that it would, uh, that it would, uh, that it would touch the hearts of those who are unsaved, that there would be a, a quickening in their spirits. I pray that as it goes out here in this place this morning and as it goes out over social media, that you would use it to reach those who need to hear and may they hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read this once again. Uh, this, this should be already some uh, pretty familiar uh, words to us because it has, uh, it's not the first time we've read something like this in our study in the Gospel of Mark. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee and would not, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. And they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. Now, uh, let's notice a couple of things. I, I want us to notice... Uh, one thing is the care, the tender care that Jesus has for his disciples in preparing them for what is uh, very, very soon to happen. His death, burial, and resurrection. And he is teaching them we see here in this passage that that's what he's doing as a matter of fact it's uh, written in the uh, present tense uh, it said and they departed thence and they were passing through Galilee they were passing through as if going to a destination and uh, not stopping along the way. Uh, it almost seems as if they were not going through towns, but avoiding towns because the Bible says that he would not, that any man should know it. He did not want anybody to know he's traveling incognito. He doesn't want to attract attention. He's not doing healings or uh, public teachings or casting out demons. He is focused on one thing, 
Well, a couple of things. <laughs> he's focused on teaching his disciples, but he's focused on going to Jerusalem. The Galilee ministry is over. And, uh, and he wants no distractions from the cross. So when you see that uh, the scripture says he doesn't want anyone to know it, this is why. He, he doesn't want anything to distract from his mission. And his mission is to go to the cross. And there's a time frame. And there are some things that must happen. And, and I hope you can see that this is all divinely orchestrated. That none of it, none of it is by chance. It's all God's doing. And then thirdly, not only is the Galilee ministry over and uh, his, uh, he doesn't want any uh, distraction from the cross. But thirdly, the reason that he doesn't want anybody uh, to uh, distract him, he doesn't want anyone to know that he's passing through, is that he is concentrating on preparing his disciples. Now, if you want to see more of how, how thoroughly and how tenderly Jesus uh, took care of preparing his disciples, you can read John chapter 13 through chapter 16, and actually chapter 17 is his prayer to the Father for the disciples uh, just as he is leaving them. And so this is a very, very important thing to him. He is uh, preparing his disciples for his departure. And, uh, and so uh, not only it says that he departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it, but it says, for he was teaching his disciples. And here's the content of his teaching. All this time, all this journey, and, and this, we're not talking about a two-day journey. We're talking about over several days now. His teaching is the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men. Now, he uses that term, that title, Son of Man, again. And you remember, we've talked about that before, right? But it uh, bears repeating the Son of Man is uh, the title that Jesus uses for himself most often in the Gospels. And uh, the Son of Man comes from uh, that passage back in Daniel chapter number 7, verse, I believe it's verses 13 and 14, where he talks about the uh, uh, Son of Man, the, the Messiah actually, coming before the Ancient of Days, and a kingdom was given to him that will never pass away. Jesus, that, uh, that term, Son of Man, that Jesus uses, is identifying himself as their Messiah. And so he says, the Son of Man, your Messiah, the one that you pinned your hopes on 
for all these centuries, the one you've been looking for, uh, especially in the uh, more recent past to uh, break the yoke of Rome and uh, deliver you from the uh, persecutions and the, uh, uh, the dominion of foreign leaders that very Messiah that you're looking to come and set up a world-dominating kingdom from right here in Jerusalem is going to be delivered into the hands of men. It's going to be turned over in the same way that when a family or a man went to a, a head of household, went to the tabernacle to take a, an offering to the priest to be sacrificed and its flesh burned on that great altar at the door of the tabernacle, he would hand it over to the priest to slaughter. That is Exactly the way in which Jesus is to be handed over, delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise again. He shall rise the third day. Not only is Jesus... Uh, uh, caring for his disciples in preparing them for what is just ahead, but he is also revealing here that he is confident in the resurrection. He is confident. Are you hearing me? Jesus is confident in the resurrection. Uh, I don't know what it looked like, but can you imagine that eternal counsel before creation when God the Father and God the Son determined the salvation of sinners and that Jesus should become a man and that he should die for our sins. This was all determined before Adam ever sinned. And can you imagine that the Father promised him the words of Psalm 16, I will not leave your body in the grave. I will not suffer you to see corruption. And Jesus lived out his life on this earth, headed for the cross, because he believed that the Father would fulfill his word. That the Father would keep his word. As a matter of fact, when he stepped down in the water to be baptized, he was embracing, or at least this is the way I see it, he was embracing. He's embracing that mission. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. But I'm going to rise again. And so we see that Jesus has great confidence in the resurrection. And he 
uh, over all this journey, he is, uh, uh, he, he just keeps saying this. And as I said earlier, this is not the first time we've seen this, uh, depending on how you count. <laughs> this could be about the fifth time just in, uh, just since chapter number eight that he has given this message to them. If you'll look back with me to chapter number eight in verse number 31, it says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must. Do you see that word there? Must. I don't know if you write in your Bible or not, but you should underline that. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days, rise again. <coughs> and he spake that saying, not just to his disciples, but he spake it openly. And Peter took him and re began to rebuke him. Then if you'll, so that's one time. Then if you'll look down at verse number 34. And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The cross is an instrument of death. And uh, Jesus has already told them that the cross is in his future. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to follow him to the cross. And you're going to have to follow him with a cross, you'll have to deny yourself. And so here's another one. And uh, he says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall save it. And then in uh, chapter number nine, as they are coming down from the mountain in verse number nine, as they came down from the mountain, this is the Mount of Transfiguration that we've talked about several times. He charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man. There's that, that title again. The Son of Man were risen from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning now listen to this, this is important. Questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. And, uh, and then they ask him again. So there's, there's uh, is that three times? And there's number, uh, uh, verse number 12. Well, verse number 11. And they ask him saying, why say the scribes that Elias must first come. And he answered and told them, Elias verily cometh first and restoreth all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be said it not. And then in chapter, uh, just following on in this verse here, that we have come to, we find again that Jesus tells his disciples that he is 
going to die. And so this is a subject that, that he just keeps repeating. Well, why would he repeat it so much? Something that is uh, recorded in the Word of God and preserved for us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If it's just uh, in there once, it would have to be important, right? But, I mean, Jesus has really been drumming this in. He's been, he's been preaching it and teaching it and explaining it and saying it over and over. And obviously, they don't understand. But when you uh, have to repeat something, it's either because it is very important or because it is... Uh, not being understood. And both of those reasons are why Jesus is repeating this. It's something that is absolutely important. The absolute necessity of the cross. The preeminence of the cross. It is the reason for which Jesus came into the world. I'm glad that he displayed his power and identified himself as the God-man, not just by words, but by his ability to heal diseases and come to the rescue of those who had suffered under Satan for so long. I am so glad that he did that, but that's not why he came to earth. He came to earth to die. He's not interested in impressing you with his ability to heal. He's interested in dying for your sins. That's why he's here. That's why he has come to this point. And he's teaching his disciples this. And, and the scripture says here, <coughs> excuse me, that they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. Well, why didn't they understand? What does it mean to say that they did not understand this teaching? Did they not understand the word death? Did they not understand the word uh uh, son of man? Did they not understand delivered? Did they not understand the word killed? Did they not even understand? They might not have understood uh, how it fits, but they surely they understood the word resurrection. I mean, the Old Testament has count, accounts of resurrections, does it not? And so this is not some new words that they, uh, what does that mean? No, it's, it's not the words that they have a problem with. It is the teaching. They don't have a category for a suffering Messiah. And uh, the, word, uh, the word here where it says that, uh, that they were afraid to ask him, it means that they were hesitant to ask him. And if you want to uh, get a little bit more understanding of what it means that they were, uh, that they didn't understand and they were afraid to ask, 
we can look at the other Gospels that, uh, that have parallel uh, messages on this very thing. Here in Matthew chapter 17 and verses uh, 22 and 23, it says, While they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. And so the, the word afraid here is and a word, it, it's a word that can mean uh, heavy with grief. They were hesitant because they were heavy with grief. And, uh, and I guess maybe Matthew kind of backs that up a little bit where it says that they were exceeding sorry. And then Luke, Luke's uh, rendering of this in chapter number 9, Luke chapter number 9, Beginning in verse 43, it says, And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered, every one at all things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them. It was hid from them. They weren't able to perceive. It was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. Well, have you ever been, have you ever been in a situation where you were so burdened down with sorrow that you didn't want to touch the subject? <laughs> and, and maybe that's the way uh, Jesus' disciples were. I'm, I'm just saying maybe. But Luke gives us another insight, and that is that there, at this point, in the ministry, they're not able to understand what Jesus is saying to them about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so if we want to understand that a little better, let's look over at the Gospel of John. If you would, if you don't mind uh, spending some time in Bible study with me. Jesus says this in chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will send you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of... What's that next word? The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. How does he dwell with them? In the person of Jesus. And he shall be in you. 
You get it? One day it's going to indwell them. He said, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and, and ye in me, and I in you. He that, uh, let's see, I'm trying, verse 25. Let's drop down to verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, listen to this, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Jesus has been teaching them, but since they have not yet been indwelt by the Spirit of Truth, they are struggling with these truths. But something miraculous happened on the day of Pentecost when these same men who had it beat into their heads over and over and over and couldn't understand it stood up boldly and began to preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and how that it was foreordained, how that it was the plan of God from the ages. He'll bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. And uh, verse, verse 29. Look at verse 29. And now I have told you before it comes to pass. Why is he telling them all this stuff if he knows they can't get it? Now I've told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm telling you all this stuff so when the death, uh, when my death on the cross of Calvary happens, you're not going to say, oh no, has God lost control? Did Jesus, did this take Jesus by surprise? No, it didn't take Jesus by surprise. Jesus has been telling us this all along. And when the Holy Spirit indwelt them, it all made sense. The pieces fell into place and it all began to make sense. And uh, <coughs> there's some other verses I could read to you, but I'm not getting... To where I wanted to get to this morning. But in chapter 16. Well let me read. Oh that's I already read that one. Let's read chapter 16. Verse number 5. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you ask me whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you. Sorrow has filled your heart. He says in verse 13 of chapter 16, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself. But, whoso, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. Jesus has given us the spirit of truth. Now, do you know, and, and, and even us, even with all the 
teaching and uh and the completed canon of scripture that we've had over the years, we still don't get all the depths of the glory of what Jesus did on the cross, do we? And every time somebody preaches it, it seems like it gets deeper and sweeter and more precious. At least it does to me. But you see, that's, that's that spirit of truth that indwells us, that enables us to understand. And so Jesus uh, has, uh, is teaching his disciples these things, and they don't understand. And uh, the reason that they don't understand could be because of their sorrow, but more than anything, it is because they have not yet been indwelt by the spirit of truth and they don't really get i mean remember these guys have been taught all their lives they've been taught all their lives of uh, a a picture of the messiah and what he will look like and what he will do and what his reign will be like when he comes and and it's hard to unlearn in order to relearn isn't it and so they were having a hard time with that. But I, I, I believe that one of the things or one of the ways we can look at their lack of understanding is that they just didn't get yet how desperate the situation is. They didn't get the fact that they were so desperately lost that they needed a Savior. They didn't get they didn't get the fact that they were dead in trespasses and in sins. That they were so desperately lost and so radically lost that it took a radical remedy to save them. They couldn't just be saved by any sacrifice. As a matter of fact, God had already said, I've had enough of those sacrifices. No more sacrifices. I'm not going, they don't bring a sweet smelling savor to me. They anger me. I will not countenance them anymore. And so Jesus, I mean, someone has to be a sacrifice. They needed a Savior. They needed a radical Savior. And so how much more radical can you get than the Son of God, the eternal Son of God coming down to earth and taking upon Himself human flesh for the express purpose of dying on the cross. Was it that bad? Is the situation that bad Yes, it is that bad. There was no other hope for salvation. They needed a Savior. And so the angel said to Mary, you'll call his name Jesus. For he'll save his people from their sins. And how would he save his people from their sins? There's only one way, and that is that he 
would bear their sins. They needed a Savior who could deliver. A Savior who was a rescuer. Because we all in our natural condition. In our unsaved condition. Every last one of us is under the judgment of God. Under the wrath of Almighty God. You might fear. Uh, I've heard all this stuff about the new uh, army of uh, uh, tax investigators that are being hired by the IRS. And people are so terrified of what's going to happen to me if they come. Listen, you'd better be, uh, you'd better be concerned about the wrath of God. That's where the terror should come. We need someone to deliver us from the settled, eternal, burning wrath of Almighty God. And Jesus is the one who can rescue because He is the only one who could hang on that cross and have it all, all of it, all the anger, all the bitterness, all the hatred of God against sin poured out on Him. He's the only one that could have done it and carried it away and taken it from us. Died and rose again. He, we needed one who could rescue us from wrath. One who could rescue us from the bondage of sin. One who could deliver us from death and Jesus is and, and the disciples don't get this that that somebody had to die and conquer death. They needed someone that could conquer death. And so Jesus is that someone. We need to sacrifice. I've got to stop. I've got several more points, but but uh, uh, we need to sacrifice. I've already said that God was through with the sacrifices that were offered under the law. And you know, all those sacrifices, even those who offered them in all sincerity and in all faith, all those sacrifices did was just, they didn't take away any sins, did they? Hebrews chapter 10 said it's not possible that the blood of bulls or goats should take away sins. They never took away any sin. All it did was it's kind of like going to the bank and borrowing money uh, for a year and the first and the when the note comes due, you can't pay it and so you renew it and they add the interest to it and roll it forward for another year and the next year you do it again and the, uh, the interest never gets paid and the principal never gets paid, but it keeps growing year after year. Well, it's kind of the way it was with our sin. Every year, the sacrifice just rolled it forward, but then God said, I'm not taking it anymore, and there is no sacrifice that will satisfy me. And Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 10, He said, I've got a body. I'll give my body. And he laid down his life on the cross. This man, verse, was it verse 13? This man, after he'd suffered, offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He hung on the cross. 
and that sin debt that had been rolled over and over as our sacrifice, he washed it away. Mm -hmm. Blessed be his name. Mm -hmm. Blessed be the name of our Savior. Well, Father, we want to thank you for our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't understand all that our salvation and all that he accomplished. We don't understand all that's involved in it. Oh, but what little we do know causes us, us to say, oh, what a Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.